Welcome to Making Home Happen, a podcast where we discuss everything that makes home happen. I'm your host, Martin Blair. Today I have Karen, Sophia, and Maria with the Land Group title in the studio, and we're going to dig into some topics and some stories about real estate closings and some title issues. Good morning, ladies. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> you're very welcome. First off, you know, what what is Land Group Title? Land Group Title is our company. We opened in 2019. So just before COVID started, we moved in July. We actually left a firm that was downtown. And I've been in the title industry for 20 years. So been a title attorney ever since, you know, graduated law school over at UK. My partner, Aaron Marsh, and I just needed to expand. We needed to update. We needed to change the customer experience. And of course, downtown old school law firm was was not where it was at anymore in the title industry. Gosh, which law firm? We were at Thurman Law Group before. Yeah, we had a great experience there. Bill Bill Thurman was a fantastic mentor to us for, you know, many, many years. So Gotcha. Now we actually used uh, Thurman a few times here and there. So I remember that. Yeah. So besides clearing titles and, um, you know, making sure that closings happen, I mean, everyone hears I need to have a title attorney or I have to have somebody do my closing. What is it you guys do other than just making sure that the title's clear? We obviously do the title search and go back 30 years and ensure that and, you know, check for anything that could come up for a piece of property that could be harmful to the buyer. In addition, we process closing disclosures and work on the financial end with the lender. So we'll balance the CDs for the buyer and the seller. The end result will be the closing disclosure that you see at the closing table that gives you a bottom line of what you are to bring to closing. But there's a lot of balancing that goes back and forth between the lender and the title company to ensure things like Property taxes are paid appropriately and on a timely schedule to make sure homeowners insurance is collected. So things like that, make sure all the vendors that need to be paid from the closing are on there. Speaking from the lender's perspective, title can be very tricky and it's an extremely important part of what we do. We've got to make sure that the property is conveyed you know, in the right way to the right people in the timely fashion. And all the numbers have to be specific. You know, the accounting on it can be off by a penny. And making sure that, you know, the title company that you are working with is very in the know and very well communicative. And when we send out emails or we make phone calls, we have to make sure that, you know, we're getting the right answers. And I have to say from experience, you guys have done a very wonderful job with our company for that. Well, thank you so much. You're very welcome. So just FYI, when we do closings, a lot of folks think that it is nine to five, Monday through Friday. And that is typical, but is there any uh, wiggle room for you guys? You know, do you do Saturday closings or later closings or earlier closings? Yeah, I'll jump in on this one. I'm the closing agent that is here today. There's two of us in office, and then Karen can also conduct closings. We are not just strictly nine to five, Monday through Friday. I'm new to this position. I quickly realized that this is not a typical nine to five job. You know, you're working around a lot of people's schedules. People get off work. They can't get there until five or six. And this past week, I actually did travel and do a Saturday closing. We want to make the customer experience as enjoyable as possible and as seamless as possible. So we really like to work with our clients, work with our lenders, work with our agents and make sure that we are accommodating what works best for them. Thank you. What exactly triggered you guys to say, you know what, this is the career I want. This is 
where I am. And if it's not a career, what what made you decide, hey, this is the lifestyle I want? <laughs> Yoria, do you want to start? So I have been uh, working for the land group since the very beginning of the transfer from Thurman to the land group. I started with Karen back in March of 2019. Yeah. And honestly, I had did not have previous experience in this industry. I was a personal friend of Karen's and she was in the process of opening up the land group and knew that she needed to acquire some extra help. So when I started working with Karen, she taught me basically from the start to finish the entire process. I first began really writing title and title commitments, balancing CDs. Um, and then my role kind of morphed into um, an age, agent relationship specialist, per se. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'm the first person that an agent would get in contact with from the land group. I would reach out and say, the lender has reached out and the land group is going to be the closing company. I'll be your contact. Here's some information I need from you and from on the listing side, information I need from the seller. Here's my contact. I make myself readily accessible. Um, and I understand that agents definitely do not work nine to five. They're working nights, weekends. So I try to make myself as available as possible to answer questions anytime things come up. And then I work with them to get all the information that's needed for the closing disclosure for the lender balancing process, Mm -hmm. obtaining information to get payoffs, HOA information, anything that needs to be prorated on the CD, invoices for repair work or um, things that have taken place to get the house ready to sell that need to be paid with seller proceeds or reimbursement to someone. Um, But that's kind of how I started in the business. And I love it. And Karen has taught me so much and hope that our experience relays to the customers that we serve. Gotcha. What I'm gathering, you fell into it and loved it. And then now you're addicted to it and can't get away. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Man, Karen, how did you get in? I had started as a clerk in insurance defense with like a medium-sized firm downtown when I was in law school. And there was one real estate attorney out of the entire group of like 12 attorneys, and he never gave us any work. And I just was pulling my hair out doing insurance defense, and I just begged him to give me some work. So honestly, it's kind of where it started, and then the rest is history. And um, you know, have loved it ever since. Fell in love with it as soon as he started teaching me stuff, and just was just knew that was my place. Gotcha. What made you get there, Sophie? I have a really hybrid background. So I graduated college. I was a COVID graduate. I graduated in 2020, mm-hmm. and I started my career in insurance. So I was an insurance agent for employee health and benefits. Then I transferred into the real estate industry. I was in commercial real estate as a marketing manager. So I found. My love for the insurance side of things, I found my love for real estate, but with that, I really wanted to get into residential. I was on the commercial side, and I actually came to Karen to see if she needed any marketing help on the side, (laughs) and she said that she didn't, but if I wanted to start training to do closings, I could help her out part-time with that. That, long story short, snowballed into a full-time position as a closing agent, and I also serve as the marketing manager for the firm, Mm -hmm. 
I fell in love with it. I love getting to go out and meet people. It's one of the happiest days of their lives usually. So getting to experience that and like Maria, I got addicted to it and now they can't get rid of me. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So it brings up a couple of points here. We usually look at a title from a legal perspective, but it is also very much rooted in insurance. Mm-hmm. So really quickly, title insurance. Right. What is that? So title insurance for most transactions is included in your numbers for the lender. So the most loans, which are secondary market loans, require lenders' title insurance policy. So a lot of borrowers do not even realize that's on there, do not pay too much attention to it. It That is essentially insurance coverage for the lender in case something comes up in the chain of title or items that are unrecorded where a person can a person or an entity can claim an interest in the property that might threaten the lender's position of first mortgage. Owner's title insurance is different. So you can purchase both at the same time. You do get a discount when you purchase both at the same time. Um, so it is extremely beneficial. But owner's title insurance will cover the owner, same principle, for anything that might come up, anybody that might have a claim to the property um, for any amounts owed um, that might come up either before um, they owned the property. And now with the First American Eagle policy, it can be future items that will come up. So owner's policy under the Eagle policy Survey items are now covered that might come up in the future when you own the property. And future fraud, which we're seeing on the rise, is now covered under the First American Eagle policy. So if someone goes and steals your deed, forges your name, and then files that down at the county clerk's office, then your insurance, your owner's First American insurance policy will step in, defend that claim. They'll pay the attorney's fees. And really, typically, that owner's policy is, you know, anywhere from three to 700 bucks at closing one-time fee. You don't pay it year after year and you have it for the entire time you own the property. Well, funny story. I was reading, just reading. And of course you get into these clickbait things on online. And it was telling me this story about a American serviceman who had come back from deployment and was going to go home and found that there were squatters in his house. And the local PD wouldn't do anything about it. This became national news. But it took quite a lot of effort on his part to get them out. Is this something like the fraud that you were mentioning? Because these squatters had actually fraudulently produced documentation saying that they had a right or at least the ability to stay in the property for a short time. So would this work in that? Yeah, certainly. So two separate issues. If they're squatters and they're just trespassing and they don't have any legal documents that show they have any right to be there, then Mm. that would be more of a trespass, right? Right. But if they had something they're presenting to the sheriff, because there had to be some reason why the sheriff was not enforcing them to exit the property. Right. um, You know, and if they had a, a fraudulent lease, you know, or equitable claim or even a fraudulent deed, you know, that shows. Yeah, absolutely. That's when, you know, you want to have your owner's title insurance policy in place and you want to make sure that you, of course, you'd have to have it pre-existing in place at that point. And then you'd want to, um, yeah, contact your title insurance underwriter to, you know, submit a claim and to fight against their claim to the property. Gotcha. So let's assume that I bought my house last year 
you offered me owner's title insurance, but I didn't take it. What is and what would I have to do in order to get it now? So um, you can purchase owner's title insurance at any time um, if you don't have it already on the home. We the difference with purchasing at closing is number one, a owner's title insurance policy is going to require a thirty-year title search. Mm -hmm. So we've already done, you know, when we're at closing, we've already done your title search. So that's kind of our that cost is already wrapped in. You're not paying that again. Right. Um, so if you're going to purchase an owner's title insurance policy outside of closing, either your refinance or your purchase, you can do so, but you will need to make sure that you have a title attorney that does the title search and then issues the policy. The other thing about purchasing it that I mentioned earlier with your closing is that you do get that discount with the lender's policy. Do you guys do any type of closing for commercial property or is it all residential right now? No, we do commercial. Commercial is kind of a funny word in, in real estate. Sometimes you can have commercial deals that are still on residential properties. Mm -hmm. So those might be like house flippers or home builders purchasing lots, you know, and then they're going to build on them. So we certainly can service all of those types of deals. I don't do a ton of the larger commercial. They're buying, you know, a chunk of parent track of land, and then they're going to develop it. And, you know, those deals are not really in our wheelhouse. But we had two yesterday that were, just, you know, flip homes, if you will, like, you know, this particular, um, both of these companies that we closed on yesterday, they are in the business of buying homes. Sometimes these companies use hard money loans, which is kind of a short-term financing for this particular industry of, of folks. In the realm of residential real estate closings, you know, what what exactly differentiates you guys, you know, in your company now that you've been in existence now for a little over five years? You know, how have you developed your company to service or or just do different? We feel that the land group as a whole provides exceptional customer service from start to finish. We, um, you know, work directly with our lenders. We're working directly with the agents. A lot of times we're working talking directly to buyers and sellers. We make ourselves readily accessible, email, text, phone. Um, we provide all kinds of services like power of attorney, mail away processes. If the clients cannot come to closing, we um, take care of that and make it as easy as possible on the agents, the clients themselves, and so that everything is in time and in order for the lender for closing. So we just every day try to build those relationships and um, work really hard to make ourselves accessible and approachable um, and just let our clients know that we're here for them and to help make this experience as pleasant as possible for both sides of the closing. And I think piggybacking off of that um, from a closing agent perspective, it's really interesting to see how we get to kind of handcraft the experience for not only the agents and the lenders who we do work with a lot, but for the buyers and the sellers. Um, making sure that that experience is pleasant, like Maria said, but also being there to answer questions, you know, after closing, post-closing process. If I was your closing agent, I'm who you're going to be dealing with. I'm going to be who you're talking to if you have any questions. And that's something in closing I definitely like to bring up is you have our contact information listed on your closing disclosure. I'm here any time of day. Like I said, it's not a typical nine to five position. We never really stop. 
So we're constantly here for you. We're here to support you no matter where you are in the home buying process. And, and I'll agree. I'll agree to a lot of what you have said, but there's one thing you haven't said that I'm going to throw out there. Okay. Um, in this industry, what I feel makes folks stand out is it, it's often misunderstood. It sounds bigger than it is, and it's just simply exceeding expectations. And when you say expectations, everybody has a different, you know, specific answer to that. And whenever you say that term like that, they want to say, well, this is like the biggest roller coaster ever. It's the greatest event I've ever had. Wow, amazing. You know, I can't say more than that. But in truth, exceeding expectations just simply means doing what you say you're going to do and then leaving room for more. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of folks I feel are, and this isn't across the industry and, and heck, ever since COVID, let's just face it, business, all business has had a very difficult time, I feel, in that very simple exceeding expectations. Mm -hmm. If anything, they have allowed um, a lot of less than expectations to happen, you know, and then I think expectations now have been dropped across, you know, everything. I mean, you, you, let's think about fast food, you know, mm -hmm. that used to be a thing. I, I have not gone through a fast food window <laughs> fast, you know, since COVID happened. But, you know, for you guys, you know, just saying, you know, I'm available, we will make this, you know, easy and, and answer the questions that you need. Just actually showing up exceeds so many expectations in the industry. Right. So I want to thank you guys for that. Well, we appreciate that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Well, now it's story time. Let's let's <laughs> let's get let's get into you know th this is a crazy world with real estate. You know, we see pretty much every every aspect of it. You know, from the good, the bad, the ugly. So in title, I would uh, I would imagine that there are some fantastic stories. So not using specific names, dates, places. You know, protecting the innocent and so on. What are some of the craziest experiences you have had pre and post COVID? Oh gosh, even throwing COVID in there definitely brings up some things. I, I will tell you, I was nervous. We had one that actually was not too long ago, and this closed probably this spring. On the selling side, we had a divorce situation, and so it was a husband and wife, and we needed. The wife was the only one on deed, but they weren't officially divorced yet. And this, this is a Kentucky thing. So common law state, and this is a bit of an antiquated you know, principle, but we need spouses to sign. And in this situation, I think there was restraining order against the husband, but we still needed him to come in and sign the deed. So our title was clear. The husband comes in and he's ranting and raving. And it was extremely scary for the closer, which actually Jenna closed this one. He then proceeds to tell everybody at some point during the closing that he's packing. And Jenna, I mean, Jenna, who you cannot, I mean, you know, Jenna, like she can't hardly rattle her. And she she was extremely rattled and I cannot blame her. So he was just very frustrated. We ended up getting him signed and out of our office but those those situations are obviously extremely delicate but also can be terrifying so that was a a pretty crazy situation that we had more recently mine doesn't top that but i do mention this in closing often because it was quite a funny situation i encourage everyone who closes on their home to be thorough in the documents that they're signing and read over if you want to and mm -hmm. you will have copies given to you post closing I did have 
a buyer come in to the office post-closing and request a new copy of his mortgage because he was going to the beach and he needed something to read on the beach. So he did want to read his mortgage on the beach, <laughs> um, which, wow. great. It's wonderful to be thorough, but it was an odd request. Um, so whenever I get to the mortgage part of closing, I'm always like, you know, if you need some beach reading, there you go. go. There you go. <laughs> see, and part of ours as you know, lenders, we have to give an amortization schedule. So yes. you get to see what 360 payments eventually whittles down to zero. Yes. And part of the joke for us is, you know, if you have insomnia or suffer from it or feel that you may – Keep this in your, you know, nice stand kind of thing, <laughs> because it's better than counting sheep for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, ladies. Um, so those are some those are pretty good stories. Um, <laughs> from from a perspective of myths, though, um, from what I understand, and this is just me, if I had to think about it from, you know, from my career and experience, you know, I will tell my clients, hey, we have to get a title attorney involved. It's just part of it. And they're going to make sure that the title is clean and clear. And they will also offer you insurance to, you know, help protect your equity as it grows. And we just try to keep it as simple as that. So they, they you know, some experienced buyers, you know, once they've been through this, they kind of know, you know, the, the, you know, the rhythm of the road. But of course, you know, they're being told by their family members or other people who've bought and sold and this, that, and another of what to expect. So from a perspective of myths and truths and whatnot that surround your industry, what do you feel are some of the biggest uh, myths you have to contend with and kind of re-educate these buyers? Number one, you do need a title attorney and you do need a title search. We've actually had people contact me before, but I just have said, can I just get a deed prepared? I'm just going to give the seller, you know, 50000 for this land. And then if you can just prepare the deed and you know, I have to talk about, you know, why it's important to get a title search in those scenarios. And and people don't understand that whatever liens are attached to that property, whether it's unpaid property tax bills, it could be, you know, the owner didn't pay his, you know, quarterly estimates or his taxes for the prior year, having nothing to do with the land itself. But the state or the Fed could go in and file a tax lien, and that would be against the property. And that then becomes a problem of the new buyer or the new owner. It could be unemployment liens. We've seen that, you know, especially with COVID, you know, a lot of people were filing and using unemployment. And if that was overpaid out, they'll go in and file a lien or, you know, a judgment lien. People don't pay their credit cards and that defaults. And then that results in a judgment lien on their name, but it attaches to anything that any property that they own in that county. So when you take over a piece of property, you are taking it subject to any liens that could attach during the time that they were filed. So that's, I think that's the concept that people, you know, don't realize when they at first blush, when they think about, you know, acquiring a piece of property. Good one. And I've noticed that you know, it, they're kind of playing, and this is this may be something you know showing my ignorance in it. When you guys go do the title search at the courthouse, and you've got your abstract there in front of you with all the information about you know the seller, the property, and so on. What is kind of that gap in information between the time you have found it and the time you have closed it? Are we talking maybe a week, two weeks? And is that the specific time that things can be filed that you would miss or are there other ways that you can miss it? 
Um, well, there are other ways you can miss it. We have seen it before where the clerk has misindexed under. So when we go in and do a title search, we're searching these records under a specific name. Um, and we'll try not to type out the entire first name to try to catch, you know, any variations in the name or misspellings in the name. But if they've misspelled a last name and you go in and put in McPherson and you're searching all, anything, you know, that's under McPherson, but then all of a sudden McPherson is spelled incorrectly by the clerk or by in the default judgment, mm -hmm. that can be missed because it would not pop up index correctly under their name. And we have had that come up before. There's also what's called an equitable interest, which is going to be an unrecorded lien or claim. For example, mechanics liens. You know, a contractor goes out, does work on the property. Those actually date back to the day that the contractor started the work. So the contractor can go file the lien, mm -hmm. and that lien is actually going to have priority over anything filed previously, and it will date back to the date the work was completed. Gotcha. So, so that's an exception to the race to record rule, which mm -hmm. is, you know, everything has to be recorded and it's going to it's going to depend on the recording date as to its priority. So let, let me yeah. interrupt that. That this that okay, the thing that you have just said would lead me to say this. If you are buying a home that has had any type of repair work whatsoever, yeah. especially in this market where flips are big and there's a lot of work being done on these flips, it would definitely behoove the buyer to buy the, the owner's titles. Yeah, absolutely. Because you really want that protection. You know, you don't want to have to pay, you know, full value for your home and expect to get everything in the home that's already paid for and done by the contractor. And then all of a sudden get a bill post, you know, post yeah post occupancy and you move in and you get settled and then you realize well he's not paid you know this contractor this sub whatever it may be gotcha so this is going to sound like a sales pitch but i'm going to do some math now so what is an average let's say two hundred fifty thousand dollar house three hundred thousand dollar house how much would owners title insurance typically run on that that size purchase it's skewed. So if your loan amount and your purchase price are close together, mm -hmm. you're probably already paying for the majority of it. Okay. So, you know, like when we do our VA loans and we're doing, you know, pretty much 100% financing on those and the loan amount and the purchase price are super close together, right. you know, that lender's policy is already, you know, probably paid for in there. And that the owner's policy on top of that is just going to be a very minimal cost, you know, just a right. few hundred bucks to purchase that. Now, if you have a larger gap, you're only borrowing a hundred thousand, and your purchase price is two fifty, then you're going to have a larger gap in the cost because the lender is only buying coverage up to the hundred thousand, right? And you're buying coverage up to the two fifty. Lender only cares about protecting their interest up to their loan amount. Gotcha. So it would be fair to say five hundred bucks. Yes. Yeah. So for two hundred fifty thousand, oh gosh, you're gonna make me quote prices off the no, top I of my quote, head. I want you to quote. I just, I just want you to, <laughs> I like to ballpark. Be yeah, ballpark. I would say ballpark for a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house for lenders and owners together is probably twelve hundred dollars. You know, and then that would be separated between lenders. Probably, you know, you're paying. Seven eight hundred dollars, you know. So right. So yeah. The reason I throw this out is let's think about this. If somebody is willing to put a lien on a property 
for work that they have done, what are the odds that that is probably going to be at least 500 bucks or more? Oh, oh right. So. And that's not even getting into, you know, talking about survey items that might come up. Right. So the reason I say this, and again, it sounds like a sales pitch, but it's really not, is that mm-hmm. this will most definitely, mm-hmm. and if it were to come up, is definitely worth the money spent. Oh, absolutely. So, yes. And that's, that's why I bring yeah. that up. Yeah. Mathematically. It's and very, under, very I, good that's how I think. So. Yeah. All right. So um, this has been some really great information about, you know, what you guys do and who you guys are. Um, let's let's just chat a little bit more, um, you know, down to earth. Is there any local stuff you guys like to do? Do you like to go to the ball games, you know, football games, basketball games? Is there any philanthropy you're in or you know, what do you guys do? So I'm a member of Lexington Young Professionals, which is an organization here in town of professionals under 30. We do a lot of philanthropic events. Most recently, there were a few with Greenhouse 17, local philanthropies. And things I like to do, I'm a very social person. I really enjoy going to local restaurants. I'm a foodie at heart. I love to visit Coeur d'Alema, Jeff Ruby's, all of the fun stuff, County Club, anything local. Right. I'm right up there. Um, yeah, and I love to go to the ball games. I'm kind of very easygoing when it comes to social plans. So if someone throws something at me, I'm there. But gotcha. especially if it comes down to work and philanthropy, I have a passion for that. Um, I'm involved personally with Greenhouse 17. I'm one of their volunteers. And the Lexington Humane Society, we Love the Lexington Humane Society. Love them. <laughs> we actually just applied to be um, involved in their checkout program. We have an office dog, and she's very lonely. Mm-hmm. So with the checkout program, we would be able to take a dog out of the shelter for the day, give it some love, and then it might not receive while it's in its crate. Mm-hmm. Let it play with our office dog, Echo, get some socialization. Oh, wow. And, you know, you're buying a home. You might be ready to add to the family. So <laughs> we let people meet. That, that's really awesome. I, I love that. Yeah. I might have to look into that. Yeah. We, we've got several office dogs that make visits in and out uh, throughout the course of any day. Well, and when you think about it, you're going to buy a home. You've, a lot of people bring their kids to closing. They're like, mom, dad. I need a puppy. puppy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Anything else? What you guys uh, do any of the uh, distillery tours? Do you, cool stuff. you know, what kind of fun stuff do you do? I, well, I have two teenage high school boys who are both involved in sports. So I spend a lot of time at high school football games, high school basketball games, traveling across Kentucky for those, which I love so much. Mm-hmm. We're definitely Kentucky fans. We're in the blue lot at every football game. Um, our tailgates have turned into, um, have gone from adult to more teenagers now than right. <laughs> they are adults, which is so fun. And same thing as Sophie said, I love to to eat local, shop local. I'm a Cordelima um tulip on Romney Road. Try to, you know, stay in, in Lexington for all of those things. Um, gifts and Peggy's gifts on Clay Avenue, things like that. Gotcha. Um so yeah. So I'm That's awesome. Karen, what are you? All right, Karen. Now I just work. You just work. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say it's gonna be like Karen's hobby is work. <laughs> Oh, work is my life. (laughs) I do have two dogs. Of course, we're dog crazy. And I do have two boys. So my extra time is spent with them. I do like to work out. So, um, yeah. So any advice for anyone who's looking to move into just the the local area, which I know you you do Indiana, you do Tennessee as well. But 
right now we're we're stuck right square in the middle of the state in Lexington. So anyone who's wanting to move to Kentucky or move it around Kentucky, is there anything that you would say, hey, check this out, or here's a really good reason to be here? I would say something that were, is really underrated in Lexington is there's a great local music scene here. You know, we're very central in the United States, and we're close to Nashville. We're close to New York or in vicinity of New York. A lot of music hubs. And there's a great local music scene here. Um, the Burl is a wonderful venue. And then there's also a few new amphitheaters coming up with the um, Town Branch Park is building a new amphitheater. And then the Commons, which is being built, is building a new amphitheater. So there will be a lot of new local shows. And I encourage anyone who's coming out to Lexington or in the area to check those out. You meet a lot of people there that are always at those shows. So there's a little community so that's, that's awesome. something I would say is underrated. Right. Do you all have any suggestions? I don't doubt much. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Lexington has been extremely good to me and my boys. I'm not originally from here, so I have been, you know, just extremely blessed. I'm a single mom, so raised my kids here, and I really could not do it without the communities that you end up, you know, having as you are, you know, raising your children here and, you know, the school community, the church community, um, even, you know, my work office. I mean, they allow a lot for me, you know, to be a mom. And, you know, so that's extremely helpful. And yeah, and very much appreciated for sure. Awesome. Now, I have to say, you know, being born and raised in Kentucky and having traveled outside the state quite a bit, you know, I've, I've been coast to coast and through a lot of the states you you really um you really miss it when you're gone and it never really stands out especially when you're younger you know how different it is here and how different the folks are and i, I remember you know something that really stood out was whenever i got into this business and people were moving here from out of state they would say wow people here are so nice what is wrong with them <laughs> you know, like, nothing. It was just, this is how we are, you know? And I, I'm from Eastern Kentucky specifically. So in the mountains, of course it gets a bad rap sometimes, but I have to be honest, some of the most amazing people I've ever known have come out of, you know, Appalachian yeah. area and they will give you the shirt off of their back yeah. if you need it. But yeah. you know, they, they're very giving as long as you're sincere. And that sincerity I think is one of the the key components. They're not fake. Yeah. That's the thing. All right. Well, ladies, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, this has been really, really great. I, I can't say thank you enough to this. It's been fun. So this is uh, Making Home Happen, and we are with The Land Group title, and uh, we'll give you guys some links and information on how to get in touch with them in, uh, in the links below. So if you have any questions, absolutely reach out to them as they said, they're open pretty much 24-7. <laughs> thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you. This you. has been awesome. This We don't do this often, so this is great. I, I've, had a, I've had a blast. We've never done this, actually. <laughs> First time podcaster. <laughs> thank you, ladies, for joining me on Making Home Happen today. It has been a pleasure speaking with you, as always. This has been Making Home Happen. If you are a professional with ties to the real estate world and you'd like to be my guest, shoot me an email over to myloan at martinblair.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.